This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Welcome in to another fantastic episode of the Orange and Brown Report. We are redrafting again. We're finally to some of the more fun drafts that have some modern names still in the NFL. Uh, we are looking at the 2004 NFL draft, the Browns, and uh, their first four picks, as always. I'm not going solo for the first time in a couple couple days here. I'm going to have Stephen Thomas on in just a minute. Before we do so, I'm going to thank our sponsor, betonline.ag, all they do for Blue Wire Podcast. Make sure you're going there, getting the welcome bonus, using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Take advantage of uh, all the opportunities that are there. The NBA is back. The MLB is back by the time you listen to this. And NFL is just around the corner. So we will, uh, you know, keep telling you about the, the awesome opportunity over at betonline.ag to get in on the gambling action, get that welcome bonus today. So we're talking 2004 draft, which is one known for quarterbacks, right? Um, and I, I want to make sure that before we dig in to remind everybody of the rules, you know, this is a single solo redraft, not, not worrying about building on other redrafts. This is just if we're stopping this moment in time for the Cleveland Browns, you can take any player that is on the board from any round as long as they're still available at your pick. So if they're still available at 1-3 or 1-6 or whatever, you can take that player um, from any round as long as they're available. So if you go into the second round, you can't take a player that's been picked in the first round. Pretty self-explanatory before we dig too deep. Uh, 2004, the Browns had picks. Let's look at this thing here. If we can pull it up. They had picks. One, uh, the first round pick is in the, is the sixth pick. Their second round pick is uh, the 59th pick. They uh, did some funny trades here. They moved up from pick seven to pick six and gave up their second rounder pick 37 to move up one single pick to take Kellen Winslow, who they took at pick six. Uh, Mr. Soldier himself, who has now lived a, uh, gone down a really terrible path, and we won't delve into that, but uh, they took him at pick six. They ended up trading their third and their fifth. They had an extra fifth, so they traded a third and fifth to get into the second round, where they took Sean Jones, who played 107 career games, and uh, the defensive back out of Georgia ended up uh, uh, you know, moving on after his rookie deal. Nothing really significant for his career. He was six years in the NFL. He was a starting type player, but um, nothing to write home about. Didn't make a second contract in Cleveland. In the fourth round, they took Luke McCown at pick 106. He threw for 2,370 yards his entire NFL career, nine touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He is on the jersey list. 
Amon Gordon out of Stanford is pick 161, which will be the last pick we make today. Uh, he uh, played 33 games in his NFL career. Not much to note of. Kirk Chambers, which is pick 176 in the sixth round. Stanford, uh, offensive tackle. The Browns, as a tradition in these drafts, don't really spend much high capital on offensive linemen. They usually just pick those guys at the end and kind of flip the coin. And then uh, I'm not even going to attempt to name the seventh-round pick out of California. You know what? Let's give it a whirl. A- Adam Ch- Okay, hold on. Adam Chinobody Echimandu. I don't know. That's my best guess. Out of Cal. Played 19 career NFL games. Somehow threw a pass to the running back out of Cal. Uh, 110 total rushing yards to his, to his name and 36 receiving yards. Steven, you're laughing at me, man. What, what do you remember about this draft class for the Browns? Not the whole thing, but just this draft class for the Browns. I think if you, if you held me down, it's Adam Michi. But I can't be sure of that because, like you there's said, he no didn't way. do There's no way there's a B in there. There's no <laughs> way. Adam, Adam Chinobi. Adam Chinobi. It has to be Adam Chinobi. I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's moot. I'm, I'm sure well, it's- what I remember about this draft is the same thing pretty much. Everybody else, uh, you know, that remembers it. I mean, you were a fetus. I don't know how old you were. You were, you know, what, two? I don't know. Anyway. Um, 2004? Yeah. 2004, I was a freshman in high school. So I was very I was very aware. I knew what was going on. That's a fetus. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, it's pretty much what everybody else remembers. We all, <clears throat> including uh, Roethlisberger himself, thought, you know, it was a done deal if he was there. I mean, it was... If Brown's Twitter had been around back then, it would have been an, uh, an avalanche uh, at that point because I, I was shouting at my television. It was just <clears throat> it was so blatantly obvious that he was the pick. Uh, if he was there, there was a question at the time whether or not he was going to be there. Um, and, and so that's what I remember most about it. And, you know, uh, for not the last time, we all turned out to be right because it was another one of those picks that, as you said, as you touched on, uh, didn't uh, didn't work out the way that uh, they had planned. Now, I, I, we should say uh, we have to put ourselves in the 2004 mindset as far as Winslow goes. Um, we didn't know all of this stuff. So looking at him strictly as a prospect at the time, he was pretty widely considered top half of round one. Um, was he worthy of the pick when you take out who else was available and, and all that kind of stuff? Sure. And he, and he put up some, some pretty damn good numbers for a few years. And he's one of those guys that if you imagine if he'd been drafted 10 years later, if he had come up, uh, the way the tight end position has evolved, mm-hmm. uh, in the last 10 years and the, the Gronk effect or whatever you want to call it, boy, could he have really done some serious damage as far as on the field, not, you know, what ended up going wrong in his brain. But uh, you, you just can't at, at the time. I mean, you're looking at Jeff Garcia and then they went with Luke, uh, uh, Luke McCown in the fourth, who we'll get to. Th- there's no way you can justify uh, 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 passing on him at that point. Roethlisberger has, himself has said numerous times over the years he was shocked and, and, and blown away and, and totally unexpected and all other kinds of words like that. He thought he was going to be a Brown. And so did pretty much everybody else. And for not the last time, they tried to be the smartest guy in the room. And smartest guy in the room syndrome in the draft often comes back to bite you in the ass. And it did here. That's what I remember most about it, being angry, disappointed, and everything else, and then trying to talk myself into it uh, for the next five years. Yeah, and Kellen, like you said, Kellen obviously had the motorcycle accident. But when he came back into his 23, 24, 20, he was drafted 21. He was drafted young, like Kevin and Joker type young. And... uh, yeah, had some really good years. 875, 1106 receiving yards. Didn't 
ever go for more than five touchdowns. But yeah, he was, you know, he had some good years in Tampa too when he signed after his Browns rookie deal was up. But uh, yeah, it's just a disappointing thing when you look at who was on the board. And we'll talk about the draft. I mean, the first five picks, guys that were ineligible to be picked by Cleveland in this redraft Eli Manning, um, Robert Gallery goes second, Larry Fitzgerald goes third. Philip Rivers goes four, and Sean Taylor goes five. So if you exclude Gallery, and even Gallery had a nice little little run when they yeah. transitioned him into inside to a guard, it's a really ridiculously talented top five. Um, you know, Sean Taylor's career got cut short, but, you know, everybody knows how talented he was. But guys who are on the board, man, and, and there are uh, – and the, 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 the nice thing on Pro Football Reference is you can s- sort of sort these guys by weighted career value and all of those things so you can see who did the best for each – for each grade, or sorry, for each you know person in the class, and yeah, there's there's a ton of people that were that were available that that had fantastic careers. I think the guy at the very top, and we'll probably agree that if there was this moment in time, you still take him. You know, you could argue that at a different moment in time, maybe the 2000 2001 redrafts, you weren't quite sure what couch was going to be, so you maybe didn't draft. Or it, and if I did 99 again, and this was way back, if you guys didn't listen, it was it was. Dante, or sorry, Donovan McNabb, because he could run and save his life. But um, you know, at this time, this makes. I mean, every one of these, you know, it's hard to do the 2000 redraft without taking Tom Brady, regardless, because of what we know. But like, you take Roethlisberger 10 out of 10 times. They should have done it in the moment. I'm sure that's your first pick. That's my first pick too. Pick six has been uh, been Roethlisberger, right? Absolutely, and, and you know, you look at the the rest of that uh, uh, that first round. Vince Wolfork was there. DJ Williams. I mean, there was Chris Gamble, uh, Ben Watson, you know, if you want to jam a tight end on somebody's throat, there was a lot of really good players. And, you know, the Bills took J.P. Losman that year at, at pick 22. So we shouldn't say the Browns were the only ones that made a mistake that year. But the point is, when you when you go through the well-documented quarterback drought and you got a guy like Roethlisberger staring you in the face, don't outsmart the room. It, it, it's, I mean, there's a lot of guys that you could say Steven Jackson was in that first round. A lot of guys. A lot of talent, but you're looking at a team. They had just signed, um, uh, like I said, Jeff Garcia, who was in his mid-30s, and they obviously knew they needed uh, younger help because they picked McCown a few uh, picks later. So it, it, it didn't make any sense from any angle, like you said, from a historical perspective or in the moment. Yep, so Ben is the slam dunk pick there. Um, in retrospect, would have changed the course of the franchise at that pick. Uh, I don't think there's any way around it. He was so He was so durable and such a big dude that he could have withstood some of the batterings that happened to some of those quarterbacks at that time. The next pick is pick 59. The guy that I would have taken had, a, a, had they been at their normal second-round pick was Bob Sanders. He was pick 44, so he's unfortunately ineligible to be selected. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys, like you said, from now until then. Chris Snee was gone, the guard who was an all-pro guard taken by the Giants. Um, trying to think what other names in here would have been at least interesting. Nothing else at least interesting. I think pick 59, which is, is our next pick here, to me was was pretty obvious. Could I have gotten this guy later? Sure, but I felt like in a redraft where I'm taking talent, it doesn't really matter. I just want to get him. I mean, I'm taking Jared Allen. I, I, that's that's who I take at pick 59. Jared Allen actually comes in. Let me see where he checked in. I know he was a fourth-round pick in this right. draft. He I've, was got, I've got him later. So yeah, yeah, which is, you know, that's fine. You can we, I, I sometimes do this thing in my rules. I don't work the system like I probably should. But, uh, um yeah, I mean, if you could get him in the second round, pick 59, Jared Allen is the fourth most productive player out of this class. He played in 187 games at 136 <clears> sacks, 503 solo tackles, somehow six interceptions, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Idaho State College, 
um, for, for Jared Allen. Yeah, hell of a hell of a defensive end, man. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I sort of um, and I don't know why I did this. I just did it. I uh, limited myself to the picks, the guys that went uh, between here and their next pick. Like I, I, I broke them down like that. Like I only chose between pick 59 and pick, you know, one and whatever it is, 106, I think, where they put, uh, uh, took McCown. So mm-hmm. those 60 guys were my group for this. Well, I didn't fine. go below yeah. that. Yeah. Um, which, or otherwise, I'd be with you. I, I mean, I have him coming up. But, I, yeah, definitely Jared Allen's a slam dunk easy pick. But it, it's tough when you do it the way I did it because between – Sean Jones and McCown, nobody really jumps off the page. I mean, there's some good players, you know. Um, I, I, I mean, if it was, if we hadn't just taken Fane the year before, I would say Nick Hardwick, yeah. who went who went like five or six picks later to the Chargers and was a really solid player for ten. That would be an easy pick, but they just picked Fane, so I'm not going to pick another center. There's some, I mean, Darnell Dockett and Randy Starks. I mean, they went, you know, within the next twenty picks, and they were. I mean, maybe not $100 million guys, but they were solid contributors on, on the defensive line, which is something the Browns have sorely lacked until, you know, this year, really. Um, you can make a case for Max Starks. Like you said, they, they neglected the offensive line for a long, long time. He had a, a solid, if unspectacular, career at Pittsburgh for like a decade or something like that. You could go Sean Phillips uh, as an edge rusher, had 80-some-odd uh, sacks for the Chargers. I mean, heck, if you're talking about uh, quarterbacks and 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 they hadn't drafted you know we've already drafted Roethlisberger in this you could even make a case for going with Matt Schaub who went in the yeah. 90s there yeah. I mean go ahead tell me he's not better than the the cavalcade of clowns that we sent through that position for for so long I mean but if you're going to hold me down and say that Roethlisberger is our pick there and they obviously really wanted to upgrade the tight end position and you limit yourself to as I did to the guys that went before our next pick I'm gonna go with Chris Cooley mm-hmm. uh, who went went to the uh, Washington uh, a little bit later in the round I mean again not a guy that set the world on fire or anything but had 450 something catches or whatever over eight or ten years was a solid contributor uh, blocked well had good hands you know a team player guy like that and you know you a pair pair him with a guy like Roethlisberger who we know ex, like you said extends plays and likes his tight ends over the years he'd be his Heath, he Heath Miller been. right that's that that was the guy it, he came exactly. up with yeah yeah it's so, a good pick. so when you put all those parameters on it then I did you know um not dropping below our next pick uh Cooley is the guy that I probably would have gone with in that situation Good pick. We are on to 106, and uh, it gets slim. <laughs> it gets real slim. Yes. It gets real slim quick. If you sort them by Pro Bowls and all that stuff, it's uh, a lot of the guys who are the, the the impact players outside of maybe you know Andy Lee and Jared Allen. I know yours is your picks Jared Allen here, so we we won't right. We won't we won't talk about that much. But uh, I I I went with somebody um, who I thought there were only nine guys who made an All Pro on this. This whole list and uh, and this whole draft, I should say, and two of them were were special teams, punter and a kicker. So really, mm-hmm. only seven guys, position players, um, were able to make an All Pro, and only only Jared Allen, and then this other player outside of the uh, outside of the first two rounds, and that was Michael Turner, who was running back. Uh, right, I know that right, the Browns right. had selected William Green a few years earlier, but by this time, William Green was fading out of the league. You could start to see it. Um, you could start to see things were going sideways, and Michael Turner, um, you know, had a great run between San Diego and Atlanta, 
Yeah. Like I said, had an all pro run. I think he had the second most yards in this class. He did behind Steven Jackson. He had 7,338 total yards, 66 touchdowns. So a ton of touchdowns um, despite the yardage <clears throat> things here. So second best runner in this class and a guy who gives you an all pro. He gave you an all pro season and just one less pro bowl than Steven Jackson. So he was the only running back from this class, obviously, to make a make an all pro season. So I think it'd be great value in, in round four. He actually went pick 154. Uh, Michael Turner was out of Northern Illinois, so not a very well-known prospect by any stretch. Pick 154. The only other guy I considered here was Nathan Vasher, who had a nice career uh, out of mm-hmm. Texas, the cornerback, mm-hmm. who ended up going uh, 110 just a few picks later. But, um, yeah, anything to add there before we do our last pick? No, I'm with you. The, 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 this pick, I mean, I saved Allen for this pick, so it was easy, uh, but there was nobody else even remotely in contention. And this next one was even harder because there's just, really like hard. you said, the drop-off was and, – and, you know, we should say that, you know, when you get to the fourth round, the fifth round, your expectations are, are also drop-off. But, yeah, there was not not a lot of names that you bring up that people are going to go, oh, yeah, I can't believe they, they didn't see that guy. or anything. There was no sixth-round gems, seventh-round gems that you know jumped off the page and are going to go get a gold jacket or something like that. So, yeah, I'm with you. Pretty simple at this point. Okay, this is the one I'm pretty interested in because it was, it was the furthest from obvious. So who do you have at 161? Well, if you ask me, uh, if, if you gave me a, a flying DeLorean and let me know what I know now to go back in time, I would take Jim Sorge. Uh, who went to Indianapolis for the sole reason that had he not been on the Colts roster in 2007, maybe whoever they did have as the backup quarterback could have won that damn game and we would have gotten the playoffs that year. But <laughs> that being said, uh, I, the only guy there uh, that I saw that really intrigued me again, and again, you know, we've had many draft discussions over the past few years. I'm a sucker for a solid defensive line. I think a I think a solid defensive front is one of the most critical pieces uh, when you're roster building. I, it leads me to uh, Corey Williams, mm-hmm. um, who went, uh, again, not a guy who set the world on fire, but was dependable, solid, and contributed for like nine years or something like that in Green Bay, a space eater, a uh, couple hundred tackles, just a guy you knew you could plug in there, and he was going to defend his gap and do what he was told all the time. And, you know, as we've said a couple times here today, the Browns haven't really had that on the defensive line. Uh, you know, maybe Sean Rogers or a couple other guys here and there for a season or two, but they haven't had a guy that that they plugged in for a decade uh, since the return. Hopefully that changes this year. So yeah, Corey Williams in the fifth round seems like pretty darn good value to me. Yeah. They, the the Packers had really good because in a couple of these other redrafts, I've taken late Packers defensive linemen. They had a nice run of, of late picks. I actually took a green Bay player as well, but I took him on the other side of the line. I took Scott Wells, who was uh, okay. a nine-year starter uh, at offensive guard. He, uh, mm-hmm. had, he had a Pro Bowl. He was a seventh-round pick. Pick, pick two fifty-one. It's almost after this thing, you know, at the end of this thing, uh, you know, Tennessee graduate. But 146 games, you know, he makes a Pro Bowl. Browns never really found anything solid along the interior offensive line, even with Fain and others that they brought in, and they never invested much. So you could spend one of your first four picks on a guard that would start for you for over five years and make a Pro Bowl splashed in there. I find that to be a pretty good, uh, pretty good middle, and I and I knew that I'd had Jared Allen earlier, so I thought that uh, spacing it out a little bit would be good. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you hit Ben Roethlisberger and you had Jared Allen in there somewhere too, man, you know, these things are torturous to go back and do all over again. But <laughs> but the first pick at least should have been should have been easy, right? Oh, blatantly obvious. Uh, I mean, there, there's really no argument. There's no logical argument. 
um, you know, from a especially from a historical standpoint. But when you go back and look at the roster construction at the time, um, I mean, the only thing that I can think of was they were still trying to convince themselves that 2003 was a blip. And the 2002 playoff team was more who they were. So bring in Jeff Garcia and not not depend on a rookie or something like that. But even that, I, I he's 35 at the time, 36. I don't even remember. He was in his mid-30s. To not invest a pick in, in somebody that everybody thought you were going to take at that point is is pretty much indefensible. Yeah, and it's the end of the Butch Davis run, right? He's fired mid-season. Um, he gets 3-8. and eight. They fire him, and Terry Robisky finishes the season in 2004. And that's when Romeo Cornell comes in, and that's where we'll get with Sobo, and we will do the 2005 redraft next. So this was fun, man. A nice little trip down memory lane and torturous and all that. All the memories are torturous. I, this is the thing the quarantine has killed us with. <laughs> we have nothing. We've looked forward so much, but then we try to do memories, and they're just never fun. They're just so rarely, so rarely fun. Until we get to Joe Thomas, then we can then we can do some fun stuff. But listen, thanks for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me on, my friend. Guys, thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. Hopefully, you have. Checked out some of these redrafts. They've been fun. Just some names we haven't heard in a long time. Uh, bring back memories from playing Madden and stuff like that for me, man. It's just it's just interesting to, to look at where the talent was selected in these old drafts and uh, and uh, go back down all of the mistakes. It's just amazing how many mistakes this franchise has made in, in the first five years of doing this redraft stuff. And that doesn't even include the 2014 and on stretch that we went through. So uh, just, just phases of torture that, that, that happened with this franchise and drafting and and hopefully brighter days ahead. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Review us, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. We always appreciate those reviews. Those mean a lot to us. And, and again, make sure as training camp and stuff is creeping up, it's always a good time to join us and subscribe to the OBR where we have constant content and more, plenty more to come as the season approaches. So, again, thanks for joining us. Until next time, go Browns.